On this episode of When Everything is Missions, we join our hosts Matthew Ellison and Denny Spitters remotely in a conversation with J.D. Payne. J.D. is an associate professor at Stanford University. He's published 13 books and numerous articles on missions and evangelism, and contributed chapters to other publications, including a key chapter in the upcoming sequel to When Everything is Missions. Today, we're going to talk about how our current events surrounding COVID-19 relate to us and the Great Commission. So here is Matthew Ellison. Well, let me welcome everyone to another episode of the When Everything is Missions podcast. I am Matthew Ellison, president of 1615, and I'm the co-author of the book, When Everything is Missions. I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Denny Spitters. He's the vice president of church partnerships at Pioneers and co-author of the book, by the same title and everything is missing. Denny, it is so good to be back with you again, brother. It is. It's a lot of fun to do these. And uh, we have a special guest today, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, last time we recorded, Denny, we were in studio face-to-face, but uh, we're doing this in a new way today. I hope it goes well. Hey, Denny, why don't you introduce our good friend and special guest? Well, um, our friend today is uh, J.D. Payne. and um, I'll let J.D. tell a little bit more about himself and what he's doing right now, but he's been a great blessing to us. He's uh, he's um, really helped promote the first book, When Everything is Missions, and he's contributed a key chapter in the second book to be released in probably a couple of months from now. Um, yeah. and so, J.D., welcome today. Glad to have you. Uh, tell a little, Tell everybody a little bit about what you're doing right now. Well, hey, thanks, guys. It's so good to be with you uh, again. Uh, I know it's. Uh, I know we were talking before the recording started. We were together some time ago back uh, at another meeting in uh, New Mexico. But it's uh, good to be with you guys again, as always. Um, so right now, uh, just finished uh, the uh, the spring semester at uh, Sanford University, where I've been for the past uh, two years. And, uh, of course, like everyone else, uh, around spring break, uh, everyone la- left campus and did not return. And so uh, we've all been away from campus doing class online. And uh, right now, this is uh, final exams week, so I'm grading papers uh, this week. So how has uh, sheltering in place worked for you? Uh, this been a little odd to kind of teach virtually like this or... Well, no, not really. I mean, I um, I spent 10 years uh, teaching uh, at a seminary and did uh, several years of online courses. And so I feel very comfortable in that medium. And so it wasn't a it wasn't a shock to my system. Um, I, you know, I think a lot of the students, they were they were shocked. But um, uh, it, it, it wasn't that that difficult for me to make a quick adjustment only because I've, I've had the background in the in the. Um, the experience doing that before. Uh, Matthew, how's uh, sheltering place going in your home? Yeah, you know, the thing I miss the most is the gym. I mean, that sounds kind of petty, uh, but I, I really look forward on a daily basis to go into the gym and just it's cathartic. You know, it's great for mental health as well as, as, well as physical well-being. I miss that. I will tell you, though, Denny, there's been a silver lining of sheltering in place about a week ago, maybe a little longer than that. I played hide-and-seek in the dark with my adult children at a park <laughs> nearby our house. And I got to tell you, I, I mean, I was out there thinking, you know, I don't know 
if we would have done this under any other circumstances. <laughs> so I, I just sat there. I, I, look, I beat them all. They they, they, they don't know how to hide. Yeah. I mean, I, I really <laughs> said, you guys need to learn how to hide. But as, as I was sitting there underneath the stars, just laying on my back, I thought, what a gift to be able to play hide and seek with your adult children. So it was pretty amazing. Denny, how about you? What's been most frustrating? And it, do you have a silver lining story of your own? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if it's been most frustrating. In one sense, it, you know, I think everybody feels their life has been put on pause and like it's Groundhog Day over and over and over. But and, and, and a couple of times I felt like, wait a second, uh, that was Tuesday. What's today? It's Friday. <laughs> you, know, you just lose track. I think actually that's part of the, the silver lining here is we are definitely – you know, significant creatures of habit. And that can be a good thing. But I think God is really using this time to shake the tree and to shake the box. And uh, that's some of the things I hope that we're going to be talking about today, how all of this relates to um, the Great Commission and, yeah. and what it looks like, you know, as we think of unreached peoples and unreached places where there is no gospel and no Christian witness. Yeah, that's right. Well, J.D., I'm going to start off today. Uh, my question is going to be about all this research that's been done. There's been research done for the last several months because of the impact of COVID. And the way I see it, you know, the circumstances are just changing so rapidly, sometimes on a daily basis. So I, I have this idea that, you know, the survey done a month ago might have somewhat different results today. So I'm not looking for hard data from you. But rather just your perspective, what are you observing? What kind of conversations are you having? Yeah, I mean, you know, th there's just a lot of a lot of questions, I think, going on right now and not a lot of, of answers. And and that's that's to be expected. I mean, anytime you have a disruptor like this that happens, that that really shakes the system up, it it, it drives us to to recognize that there is no playbook that we can turn to to find the answers that um, we actually, as we move forward, we are writing the chapters of the future playbook. And so I think there are a lot of questions and not a lot of answers. I think there are what I'm hearing. There are a lot of churches trying different things. Uh, some of them have experienced a, a, a new, a fresh vision of looking beyond themselves to their neighbors and also to the nation's. Uh, even beyond their immediate neighborhoods. Uh, there have been churches trying some creative things. Uh, you know, I'm sure your your listeners have have heard of churches that were very low tech, uh, but now have been doing things online, doing things in real time, broadcasting their, their services, Facebook Live, things of that nature. Uh, I know, you know, of churches that have done that. Uh, churches doing different drive-in kind of worship things. I, I think there's some things that are happening, but at the same time, uh, there's still a lot of unanswered questions about what what are things going to look like come the future. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that answer. Yeah, it, it really is a challenging, challenging time, and it 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 really seems like, as you said, there are not very many answers. And the anticipation I think people had of this would be a simple disruptor that would go away relatively soon or maybe not too long. I think the reality is striking people 
this is going to have an effect on cultures, on travel, on uh, how we do church. I just saw a clip the other day uh, from an email uh, from somebody who lives in Ghana who is a missionary, and he said, uh, this church will never be the same here. What do you see that you think is most encouraging in the change? Well, I mean, I, I, th- I think that there, there are really kind of two different perspectives that are out there. And I think a lot of, of the outplaying of one of those two different perspectives will, will take place depending on the vaccine and how widespread it is. So the one perspective that says everything has changed, and then there's that other perspective that says, hang in there for just a little bit longer, it'll go back to normative, um, you know, status quo, you know, the status quo of what it was like. So I'm hearing both of those those sides of the coins, or both sides of the coin that's out there. And I think a lot of it will depend on uh, vaccine. I think a lot of it will depend on how widespread it is. I think in many majority world countries, there will be uh, significant uh, shifts that will occur uh, because uh, of of uh, the medical infrastructure that's in place and and the poverty and some of those those type of of global issues, I think in the western part of the world where some of those things are, are more developed, I I really think that while there is significant impact that's occurring right now, cl- clearly I don't want to minimize the, you know the loss of health, the loss of life, the those that are grieving and going through this difficult time. I do think that within established church context, predominantly in the Western world, that if a vaccine comes available within the next several months, I do think that there will be a quick shift back into the status quo uh, in in the Western context. So you think that this kind of awakening that we're experiencing will be short-lived once the vaccine surfaces? Did I get that right? I think, and again, you know, I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, um, but I, I think within the uh, Western context, and I, and I did a blog post on this uh, a few weeks ago, uh, the, the, the structure in which the, the church presently manifests itself throughout the Western world, but also in, in many parts of the majority world context as well, because we've exported so much uh, over the centuries, uh, the structure is so rigid, it, it is difficult to bend and morph unless there is a disruptor that places a force on it and and pushes people out of that structure, which is where we find ourselves right now. Uh, but once once things begin to open up where people can begin to return to normal gatherings, they can begin to to have social interaction with one another. I, I think that the system will be it will be uh, bent a little bit because of the blow that's been dealt to it. But it will not be distorted in a significant degree. I, I kind of liken it unto the the short term missions movement, and that is, um, you know, we've got millions of dollars and people that have been going for the past fifteen twenty years or so out of the West into other parts of the world, and the hope, the desire, has been and was that if you give a little bit of your time, a small percentage of your time, that's going to that's going to significantly transform the rest of your time once you return home, and and the reality is for some people it does make a system a systemic shift and it and it changes their worldview and it changes who they are for the majority it does not 
they go, they're, they're pushed into a different context. That disruptor is there. Their system is no longer in place. The status quo is not there. They see God do some amazing things and, and they are excited, but they come back home into a system that is very rigid and they begin to try to implement some of the things that they were exposed to in another context. And eventually over time, this, the status quo pulls them back to where they are. And a few months later, things have re- returned to normal. So I, I'm not too convinced that things are going to be significantly changed, at least in the West, uh, if, if a vaccine is developed within the near future. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that um, as we think about how that relates to cross-cultural ministry specifically. And you're, you're talking about human nature be, being quite predictable. And when it comes to setting priorities that uh, we have in our churches, um, the things that affect us most intimately uh, the welfare of our family and friends, the welfare of our community and country, which is really going to be a big focus right now in terms of recovery and and getting back on on uh, many people getting back on feet, um, even just getting a job. Those things, though, will receive the most attention, mm-hmm, and without absolutely. sort of special emphasis, what are the needs? even around the world going to look like to the church in North America? What do you think? Well, I'm, when you say needs, are you, are you just talking about needs in general or how? Well, not the need primarily of the gospel. Um, still, it is the, um, the, the greatest right. need of our generation and of our time is there's almost 3 billion people who have never heard the gospel once. And have right. no access to a disciple or to a church. Yeah, abso- absolutely. And I mean, I mean that that is going to continue to to be the case. I mean, wh- where I think, you know, again, COVID, pre-COVID, post-COVID, pre-vaccine, post-vaccine, uh, that's always going to be the case. And um, you know, we're we're forty six years removed from Lausanne one, and we're still talking about unreached people groups, and and we need to. But it's you know it's you know it's it's just surprising how little attention almost for almost 50 years we've put emphasis into UPGs and unengaged unreached peoples. And, and we still are looking at, you know, that many people that fall into that category and, and how much little attention we give there. I do think that that needs going to still be there. There's still going to be the physical needs as well. The poverty, the, the medical, the healthcare, the loss of life, you know, things of that nature. Where I think churches, and again, I'm again, I'm spe- speaking to churches in the West and agencies that are sending people primarily out of the West and other parts of the world, where I think that they're going to be able to leverage this moment in history for significant change throughout the world, throughout the the unengaged and the unreached people groups, is where they find those men and women that have caught that zeal uh, at this point in time, that burden, that that greater vision for for taking the gospel to the nations in a time of, of significant crisis and empowering them and equipping them and not allowing that zeal to die back. And I mean, it's, it's, again, it goes back, I think to like, for example, the, the short-term mission movement, those that uh, local church leaders, mission agencies have, have, have developed and built as, as a result of them experiencing that, you know, that disruptor, uh, they continue to run long-term. 
I think we can do that as well throughout the world. So, J.D., uh, we've already hit on this a little bit, but of course, the needs across the street, they need to be addressed right now. You know, it's a crisis, no doubt about it. But I think the impact upon us and the unreached is a little bit different. Do you have any thoughts about what that might look like? I mean, how how COVID-19 is affecting the unreached versus people in the West? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, I mean, it's radically different. Um, When you think about uh, support structures that are in place, even in a place like the United States, uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, people are losing their jobs. People are, 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 are suffering financial loss during this time. Again, I don't want to make light of, of that at all. And, and that is, that is creating significant change within, you know, our, our local faith communities. Um, but, but what we have it compared to much of what is out there in majority world contexts, as far as those, those social networks, those support systems, uh, it, they're not, they're not in place. And so, you, you have the, the, the needy of the of the the most needy of the most needy, if I can use that expression, yeah. that are, are suffering. They were suffering before um, all of this. It's it's now been you know, it's just suffering stacked upon suffering. So you're, you're talking about things like. No clean running water. I mean, you know, everyone's been told to wash their hands. We have all right. these new campaigns about what, 20 seconds, I think it is. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But, process that as someone who lives on the streets in North India, and there's hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands and millions that do, no access to clean water, um, no social net, as you mentioned. Um, and again, not to minimize the suffering that's here. So they're the poorest of the poor. But then, you know, JD, we have this issue that Denny already mentioned. Here we have access to the gospel, mm-hmm. right? I mean, right. even if you don't believe, there's gospel access. And I, I've actually heard about some incredible spiritual awakenings, conversions happening. I'm one church that I think they collected 70,000 pounds of food in like a week. It's a mega mm. church. And, you know, they're training their people to deliver that food wearing a mask. And just story after story of people being receptive to the gospel. And, um, you know, contrast that with the person suffering and there's no impulse for mercy or justice or compassion in Jesus name because there's no church. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's no one there to, to love their neighbors. Uh, There's, there's no one there to, to reach out to those that are, uh, that are, that are suffering greatly uh, because, because the believers are not, are not present. And so, so yes, I mean, it is, it, again, I think it's. I think in many parts of the world, it's not just a crisis. It's actually a crisis on top of a crisis that's already mm-hmm. been in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Um, and it's sobering to look at it that way and to hear you say that a crisis on top of a crisis. But that really helps crystallize a lot more. I, I think where the church in the West um, has been thinking and and what her actions have been is as we have viewed the rest of the world. Um, if, you know, you know that our first book was really kind of a focus on uh, challenging um, many people's thinking, church leaders thinking in churches about the whole idea that all believers are missionaries, that everything the church does is missions, uh, as long as it's sincere and done in Jesus' name. And uh, that, that was the whole premise of why we wrote the book and challenging uh, people to look at the five commissioning statements of Christ and seeing 
missions primarily as being making disciples of all nations. Um, and how might the whole thinking of all believers are missionaries kind of further marginalize in this day and this at this time those that have no gospel access during a COVID-19 era? Yeah, I mean, I think that because the the physical needs are are so massive, it it amplifies uh, the the aspect of of ministry and and moving into a, a crisis on top of a crisis situation whereby immediate action has to take place. And so so we do the good deeds. We do the good ministry. And that's that's wonderful. And that needs to be done. That's important and that's critical. But what we often end up doing is we we just continue to run with that narrative that is, well, if you're doing this, then you you're a missionary. And so it just again, it, it stacks on top of of what's already in place because because there's such a great urgency for caring for the the, the physical aspects of life. Sure. Yeah, there is. There's there. Sometimes there is no time uh, or even an opportunity allowed for one to have a gospel conversation. Uh, in other words, there, there's there's a need to get uh, this protective gear here or this water supply there. And it needs to happen right now. And so there's no there's no opportunity for gospel sharing. And oftentimes we we leave our people with the understanding that you can be doing missions and and the gospel doesn't have to be shared. And and so I would say it would be better to speak in terms of this is important ministry. I mean, you know, you think about Acts chapter six. I mean, there's this food distribution problem. The apostles were involved in it and they they said this is really important. This needs to be taken care of. This ministry needs to continue. But but we we need some people to do this so we can engage in, in the evangelistic work and prayer that we're called to do. And so I think that the. The narrative of everyone being a missionary, uh, Denny, is is one that that will continue running. But I think we need to be cautious during this time. Yes, and I I think along with that, it, as you point out, the immediate needs of of suffering of of clean water, um, food. Uh, there's definitely some famines that we're hearing about already. These are critical issues, but. To carry uh, ourselves without uh, addressing the greatest suffering, which is eternal suffering, is a significant, um, you know, part of who we are as believers and why we would uh, be giving our lives and helping people, even helping our neighbors. We do it in the name of Christ and mm-hmm. for his glory and for the opportunity of, of being a witness to the gospel. We're having lots of opportunities, actually, to do that right now during this time because people are open. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, anytime people are under tension or in transition, I mean, there is a great openness uh, for that. And I, I think that as leaders, we've got to make certain that our people do not stop with with just passing on that physical item or whatever it may be, but but to help people to understand why they're doing what they're doing. Again, and that's assuming that that encounter, that engagement will allow for that. You know, there's that saying from St. Francis Assisi, which he really never said, or at least it's been taken out of context. (laughs) You know where I'm headed, J.D., you're laughing already. 
you know, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. It's just not helpful. It's not a biblical idea. Right. I heard a, a phrase that I think is much more biblical. Um, if you like phrases and they help you remember things, no words, no gospel. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're simply not sharing the gospel unless you use words. You might be sharing compassion. You might be demonstrating Christian love, but gospel transmission requires that we use words. So mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, JD, if there is any one thing that you would want to communicate to churches right now about doing missions in a COVID era, what would that be? Uh, to, say, to say one thing, man, that's impossible for me to answer that. I mean, I mean, we, we've got to be before the Lord, you know, interceding in this time. We, we've got to recognize that that the mission does not stop, that God is still working, even though, you know, we may be under lockdown. Uh, we've got to not separate the, the the proclamation of the good news from helping other people out. And and again, all that means leaders need to be communicating this to to their people. Um, I would also say to leaders, and that is. When I believe that there's going to come a time, at least in in the states, when things will begin to transition, well, it's already beginning to happen, transitioning back to to normal, whatever that may be be in the future. But I would say when your gatherings are allowed to return, your ministries that have been ongoing are allowed to return. Um, don't don't neglect those that you're seeing right now that really have that zeal, that passion. They've caught that vision to take the gospel to others across the street and across the world and and empower them, equip them, run with them, because they may be the very ones that will lead your church into new ministry avenues for expanding the apostolic work of the church. My concern, again, I know I'm kind of repeating myself here. My concern is that once things begin to stabilize, there will be such a pull back into the structure that we have known as church in the West for centuries that we imported from Europe. Uh, there will be such a pull back into that that we'll get into a routine maintenance mode once again. And all of that zeal, that passion, that vision, that energy that's right now built up and being channeled in different directions uh, will begin to be stifled. And I hope that that will not happen. I'm going to hope with you. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, as we're talking to leaders, I I, uh, I really want to make sure that, you know, as they're wrestling through all sorts of um, really difficult circumstances, because the expectation often is that they're carrying most of the load of ministry in their mm-hmm. local setting, that they're handling all the pressure of, um, you know, finances are, are right. down. They're, they're struggling at so many different levels. Um, I would have to say that most who I know are working more hours and harder being in a virtual world than they might have even before because of all the pressure and stress. I know that we really want to encourage people today. Um, you know, and I want you to give a word of encouragement. I, I want to give a um, a word from Isaiah 26, 8, and it's very simple. It says, yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown 
are the desire of our hearts. How might you encourage people as they're listening today, especially leaders? You know, this pandemic did not surprise God. It um, it did not take him off guard. And and I think the beginning there is important for us to understand. Um, I think leaders have to, again, in all the busyness and, and what you said about being more busy now than before. I mean, I, even even in a in a professorial role that I'm in right now, I have found that to be be the case uh, under this uh, quarantine. Um the, all the busyness, we cannot neglect that intimacy with the Lord, uh, who is the one who gives us wisdom, who gives us clarity. Uh, wisdom gives us the ability to see around corners. And, leader, you need that at this time, and you will need this in, in days to come. Uh, remembering, you know, that God is is, is, is your shepherd. He's our shepherd. Uh, he does uh, lead us uh, beside still waters, but he also goes with us through the valley of the shadow of death. And we've got to yeah. recognize that. And and we've got to recognize that he may take us into a into a, a, a direction whereby um, the the adjustments that are required for our system in which we know it may have to shift somewhat. Uh, yeah. But there's hope in, you know, in Christ and the gospel, the resurrection, the second coming um, that we've got so much to be thankful for and to take take comfort in. Wow, that's true. I, I, I got to admit, I've had interaction with people, clerks at uh at stores, uh, you know, buying groceries, that sort of thing, where, you know, suddenly nobody's behind me in a line and I ask them <clears throat> how they're doing and find a wide open opportunity to just say, you know, I'm not afraid. And my fear is not there simply because um, I my future is secure in Christ and in Christ mm. alone. That's my hope. And it's amazing how people respond. Some people just are blank, you know, kind of blinking, not sure what you meant. But many people, it's striking a chord in their hearts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is a, an openness to spiritual conversations right now because of the crisis. I, I think that is something that leaders and listeners can be encouraged by. I would also say, and you kind of alluded to this, J.D., but, you know, times of crisis make us more God dependent. Hopefully we don't have that reflex where we just go back to the way things were before. But if we're more God dependent, that's fertile soil for creating missionaries and raising up missionaries. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm anticipating that some of the people that are without an occupation right now are rethinking their lives. Mm. Uh, you know, that they're wondering what's next, Christians especially. And so I, I would just kind of key off what you said, pastor, leader, be on the lookout. For those individuals in your midst, in the flock that you know you're tending, that God yeah. is speaking in their lives right now about a trajectory change. They're mm, they're realizing how fragile life is. They're they're not satisfied with material things, and this crisis has caused them to press into God, and now they want to be a part of His mission. And they're going to need help as this thing subsides, as they think towards the the frontiers where the gospel needs to be preached. So, Denny, yeah. I, I want to. I want to drop in a couple scriptures if I can as well, and then we've got one more f- question for you, J.D. But uh, when I think about encouraging leaders, um, I-, I wrote something 
just recently called Becoming People of the Lifted Eye. And there's two passages. One is Isaiah 40, verses 25 and 26, and the other is John 4, 34, 35. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. But I, I think one of the ways we respond to the COVID crisis is first we lift our eyes to the heavens. Isaiah 40 says, uh, to whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes to the heavens. Who created all these? He who calls out the starry hosts one by one, calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Hmm. So how do we respond to COVID? Well, we can be overwhelmed by the news all around us, our phones, you know, cable TV, whatever. And, you know, it can overwhelm us. Instead, let's lift our eyes to the heavens and remember that the maker of the stars is the shepherd of our souls. So lift your eyes up. And then I would say lift your eyes to the harvest, which is really, J.D., what you've been saying. Um, Amen. The fields are ripe for harvest. There's a harvest field among our neighbors that is ripe, but we cannot neglect the nations because our God is a missionary God. And so, uh, brothers, every time I'm with you, um, I get encouraged even as we talk about these matters. But, J.D., we want to um, ask you something more personal because we'd like our listeners to pray for you right now. I I think there are probably some unique challenges as someone – who is, you know, in uh, a professor in a seminary, raising up next generation of Christian leaders? What are the things we can be praying um, for you about right now? Well, I mean, in addition to you know the general request that I typically make, um, you know, just for wisdom in in knowing how how to lead and how to how to 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 guide students in this time. I mean, we're I'm moving into the uh, the end of the semester. I mean, it officially ends this week, and so um, for the next several months, I'm I'm working on another uh, writing project. And you know, I guess in a time of lockdown, it's good to it's good to be locked down and having a writing deadline. So it forces you to to sit there in front of your computer because <laughs> you can't go anywhere. Um, but but I'm working on a, on another book right now called The Apostolic Imagination, and um, I would just pray. I just ask for just prayer for for just guidance in that process and you know, for the Lord's will to be done. He'll be glorified through, through all of that. Um, that that's uh, about to begin with me as soon as this uh, week of uh, finals exams end. Well, I'm going to make a plug for you here, JD. We actually have a webinar you did for 1615 um, entitled apostolic imagination. And it was incredible. Yeah, That's uh, when I, you I had that mass exodus of subscribers, right? No, no, no. But it, if you anyone wants a, a an appetizer for that book, and it'll probably lead you to buy the book, it is at 1615.org. I, Danny, I know you were also blessed by it. It's just absolutely excellent. So uh, we, we can pray on a podcast, can't we? Absolutely. Yeah, better. Well, Danny, I'm going to let you pray for JD's request here. Well, Father, we come to you today um, realizing that you are sovereign Lord and King over all. And Lord, we do ask for ourselves that your name and your renown are the continued desire of our hearts. And uh, God, we know that um, so much of what we see in this life and what we observe at a time like this of great disruption and change And um, uncertainty drives us back to realizing everything that is to come, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, 
is the purpose of our lives. And uh, we bow before you in sovereignty today. And Lord, we also admit we are grateful that our eyes have been open to the gospel and that we have not been those who have been have saw and observed but not seen or heard many things but not truly heard the gospel. Father, you have opened our eyes. Lord, I pray for J.D., especially in these days as he's seeking uh, to know your heart and to communicate the truths of not just the word of God, but Lord, your heart as well, as you have chosen to redeem man when we rebelled against you. And so, God, I pray that you would give him great discernment and inspiration and guidance as he writes this new book. Lord, you are the ultimate one that had complete, total apostolic imagination. You are the one that was the missionary God, as Matthew has said, and you sent your son. And you have been on a mission to redeem all of those who will turn to you. So we're grateful to be a part of that redemptive story and that redemptive narrative. And we pray today, as you have said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the fields. The fields are white unto harvest. And God, we we know you don't lack for laborers, but Lord, we ask that you would direct them into your harvest fields and that we would be faithful in doing this. So bless J.D. as he ends this semester, begins this new project of writing, and might it be something that brings great encouragement, strength, and challenge to the church in North America and wherever um, anybody is exposed to his writing. And we thank you today that we are brothers in Christ and we are thankful today that we are a part of the body of Christ that is universal and eternal. And uh, Lord, keep us focused on the big picture. We ask these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. A lot of great takeaways and practical application in today's edition of When Everything is Missions. Are you ready to take a next step? Well, here it is. Go online to whenEverythingIsMissions.com. There, you're going to find the archive of more episodes like today's and info about the book, When Everything is Missions, co-authored by our hosts, Matthew Ellison and Danny Spitters. That's whenEverythingIsMissions.com. Go check it out. Catch us next time on the next episode of When Everything is Missions.